Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, I have Dr. Ching Yong Lin. Uh, he's the CEO of a company called Graphen, G-R-A-P-H-E-N dot A-I. And they're studying the, uh, the, the COVID-19 virus. Um, they're studying how it has been mutating and changing. And we're going to get into this. It's uh, obviously very topical, very important for what's going on to understand. So, uh, Dr. Lin, thank you for coming. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. Okay. Tell me about uh, Graphen. What is the premise of the company? Oh, uh, yeah. So, Graphen, that, um, we are actually an AI company that we build our platform and then we build it for finance and uh, medical services. Hmm. So, in, in regards to the uh, coronavirus, how did you first learn about it and how did you decide to, uh, to work on it? So, uh, our company we actually has been specialized in, in a way that uh, we try to do the graph analysis. So that is actually network analysis. So we actually have been working on the work like uh, how do we analyze the terrorist network or how do we analyze the uh, anti-money laundering to see how people they do the money laundering around the world. Or mm. if there's uh, some kind of a default for some companies, how do they propagate this kind of default disease through many companies? So in a sense that uh, we actually have been working on something related to the virus propagation but not exactly the same. So uh, when we actually, in around, I think February, the end of February, we feel that uh, this uh, virus issue is becoming worse and worse. Then we mm. start to think about, is there anything particular we can contribute to, to the world, or uh, to the people to better understand what's going on on the propagation. And uh, we try to search the web, but we actually cannot see other people who are really doing this work to kind of uh, find out and uh, review a publication. So, okay. we decide, yeah, we, so we decided that it may be a good chance for us to jump in to contribute to the worldwide people to, to help to resolve this uh, mystery. Okay, so how have you decided to uh, determine how the virus is spreading? What are you doing specifically? So um, I think along the time, we actually found out that uh, the worldwide research lab they actually have been start collaborating by contributing the whole gene sequence of the viruses they found. So they, they include about more than like 30 countries. And uh, uh, I think uh, about at that time it was around near 200 viruses were already being sequenced. So uh, most of these uh, labs, they just submit their, uh, their sequence to a to organization and then they share that for, for, uh, for each other. So then I try to apply the membership to get in to look at that and then they, they give me the membership to look at the, to download the readout. So, okay. yeah, so from the gene sequencing, then we actually has a good opportunity exactly finding out how the propagation go because that uh, when the virus, they, they propagate, it may mutate. So when it mutate, 
uh, then you can actually figure out who is whose parent and the which virus is whose son and uh, mm. and even right. grandson, something like that. So then this is a way, if we analyze in this way, we can find out exactly what happened on this uh, publication and the mutation. Yeah, I didn't, um, I thought, I mean, I, I thought that, you know, okay, it was the virus was sequenced once and then not again. But you're saying that different countries are sequencing the virus and they're finding mutations of the original one. And you're using that to make a map of how the virus is changing in the different countries? Uh, yes, because that uh, the mutation is a very important indication about, about how, it, how it changes, like uh, who changed to whom. So uh, as long as we can have the, uh, these uh, mutations, points changes, then we are able to understand uh, what's going on. So, so that is a very critical. Uh, okay. So what are you noticing so far about uh, the coronavirus? How is it changing? Are there any patterns? Uh, I think the first thing I found out is about how many changes it actually happened. I, I was a little bit surprised at the very beginning about the number of the, the changes. So for example, at this moment, there are about 1,700 viruses uh, that are sequenced. So those are actually the number of the viruses being uh, doing the gene sequence, sequencing okay. by the labs. Okay. And, and then among these 1,700 viruses already sequenced, there are about 900 different types of the viruses right now today. Wow. How, how different are they? Do they, have, do they appear to have like one mutation or many mutations? And are you seeing branches and trees and families of, of variation? Uh, like what does the variation so look the, like? Can you hear me? So the, the variation actually, uh, you actually can, right now there are about, I think some of the bigger ones probably have about 15 points that are mutated, that are changed. Okay. And okay. Uh, uh, in terms of the how, in terms of how these changes, they will they will change the way the virus uh, function. Uh, there's no kind of the non. I mean, there's nothing is already known about which change can cause what. Well, can, can you tell by the um, you know now that the virus has been sequenced? Can you tell what the genes in the virus can do? And then can you look at mutations and see? If it has certain mutations, how that it will affect its genes and its abilities. So at this moment, uh, it, it is not known for the human being about if you have a particular change, then how what kind of a new function the virus can do. So this mm. is not something uh, scientists already know. So scientists are usually at this moment know about if you change in what in which session in a gene it may affect the capability in some way. So right. for example, that uh, right now we do know about some sessions in the in this virus that are functions for like uh, is for is a spike. So spike are the one that uh, try to to uh, kind of the hang on to the human cell. Okay. Right. Or or there are some uh, virus oh, like uh, is a is a is a is a very cold capability. And uh, something is very particular is that uh, we uh, scientists actually right now kind of uh, understand that there are a few sessions that are more likely to be the, the place that uh, the virus can be widely propagated. 
So for example, some of the uh, researchers actually show a session uh, in the kind of the, the about one third position of this uh, virus gene, genome. Mm -hmm. This session may help uh, the virus to be easily to duplicate themselves and uh, they may be more easily to make the virus look more like a human cell. So at the very beginning, when the virus, they enter the human body, our immune system will not be able to recognize it is actually a virus, but, really? it, but it can be just mistaken that. You're seeing changes in the capsid surface proteins and then in the spike proteins that it uses to enter cells as well? It, it is not actually on the, on the surface of the spike because it's more like uh, the spike or surface are the one try to cringe or to the cell. Okay? Right, right. So it's more like uh, the capability portion. But uh, in, in this virus, that, uh, that there's a possibility, it's other parts that are responsible for duplication. Like uh, for, for duplicate, because virus, they actually enter our body, then they try to duplicate and they try to grow very quickly inside our body, okay? So some part of the gene are responsible for this uh, replication to duplicate itself, to keep growing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's a theory is that uh, some portion of this uh, virus gene, they are responsible for this uh, duplication. And uh, in the previous study in SARS, actually it was found out that uh, if you try to yeah. change one point in that particular portion of the virus, then is a duplication capability can reduce to only 10%. Okay. Or what SARS can. You know what's interesting? What, what do you think are the trade-offs? So the virus is adapting and changing, but if it gets better at hiding from the immune system, does that mean that it loses some other ability? I would think that there are many trade-offs as it changes. I'm, I'm afraid uh, not necessary because that... Uh, uh, if, so, for example, like uh, why I just mentioned the, the SARS situation, if you change one point, then the way it, it duplicates itself can, can change a lot. Yeah. So, or similarly, it may be possible just a few points change that actually created this uh, coronavirus, the COVID-19, was only yeah. just a few changes that actually created this capability today to be able to be highly propagated. And, uh, and then lately, we actually also hear some of the things about some, some virus, about some virus that are popular here in New York. Uh, yeah. People may lose their, their test at the very beginning. Okay. But, uh, but we didn't hear this kind of theory in the original virus in Asia. I think That's right. Asia, yeah. We didn't hear right. that. Right. And uh, at some point, I think in February, we also heard uh, some viruses in Beijing is quite strong, not only attack the lung, but also attack our neural systems, other part of our, our neural, like, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay, um, yeah. can you, when you look at the virus in various countries, are all the, are all the viruses evolving along the same path, or are they evolving very differently depending on the country? We actually have been seeing that uh, viruses right now are developing country by their own. Okay, so like, but as, as the virus progresses in a given country, like in Italy, are you observing how the virus is changing? And then in the U.S. and then in China, are all the viruses in these countries 
changing in the same way or they're all changing differently? Different. Are they all becoming worse or becoming better? Like how are they changing? Are they all just, do you think they're randomly changing or they're all becoming um, a certain way? Uh, change, the change, the mutation, random. Doesn't seem like it. But do you think, okay, so the end goal is the virus, as it mutates, do you think it's becoming more virulent or less? Like, how is it changing if you look at it in the various countries? You know, what are some of the ways that it's changing that are common? So I think the only thing common is that uh, it keeps changing a lot. And uh, then uh, each country grow by their own. And uh, so, so what? two months ago, uh, right now is different from two months ago when it was right. in Asia. In Asia, we actually saw the changes that are kind of the kind of interchangeable with each other at that time. They are kind of the change in the same way. But right now, it's kind of different countries that are grow differently. Like a Netherlands virus is different from what we see in England. It's different from what we see in uh, Italy or Germany. They are all different right now. And uh, in New in US, that uh, Washington also grow by its own Washington state. And the Washington state virus actually propagated to Minnesota and to other places in US. So, uh, and they are all different. In these places are all different. So we actually have been seeing this kind of independent growth by each places. So the problem is that uh, these changes that are all random, just random mutations. Sometimes it gets better that uh, the virus loses ability, but sometimes it gets worse. So there is no not different directions where you will go to. What about um, the climate in the different countries? Do you see that? Are there any correlations? You know, in more colder countries, is the virus acting one way and in warmer areas different? You know, do you see any correlation between change and condition? I think at this moment, I do see that uh, there are a lot of, uh, in Europe and uh, also I think in Washington. So, it seems to be that uh, the temperature in the colder weather temperature, there are bigger mutations. Uh, I didn't okay. see a lot of the changes in the warm countries like uh, Singapore, Philippines, Malaysia. There are not a lot of So okay. there are actually coronavirus that uh, there are some portion of things that are actually temperature sensitive. So temperature can affect how it grows and how it right. mutates. It is affected. What, um, what about, uh, like, do you have a scorecard for the virus? You know, if you put on, like, um, virulence, spreadability, um, uh, you know, time till symptoms develop, severity of the sickness. If you gave the virus a scorecard and you looked at it, depending on the countries it's in, maybe then you could correlate that with the mutations versus its behavior, its, its phenotype, you know? No, I, I think... Right now, that uh, we don't have enough patient data to come out with very good scorecard about how which mutation will create what kind of the symptoms, something mm-hmm. like that. We do can find out some of the mutations that are quite strong to be propagated. Like uh, uh, we actually saw the one that are propagated in Europe that are actually quite quite capable on on. I'm propagating. Okay. So okay. it started from one. Uh, that one was first found in uh, South Germany. 
And then later on, Echidola, that virus was not found for near a month. But actually, within the month, there are a lot of the, yeah, like a mutations or propagations maybe underway. And that one, then it come out with a lot of the uh, virus in Italy and other places. And then uh, also to, then they change it to Netherlands and then change it to England. So it has been creating several, several hundreds of the children based, mm. on, based on the one found in, in that January. So, so we do can find us some more than actually more capable to propagate than the others. We actually also okay. suspect the, the fourth one that has been quite propagating broadly in Wuhan, that one may not the the original one. I mean, it can be possibly, also possibly be something else. And then it, it muted to have one mutation and then it become blow out. So, so we do see this kind of some of them seems to have this uh, trend, have a better chance to propagate than the others. Okay, so um, you said, so far you said that uh, in the warmer climates, the virus mutates less. In colder, it mutates more. And then do you see it propagates more in cold climates or in warm climates? Like what, when, under what conditions does it propagate more? Does it propagate uh, more at first and less later on? Like what, what do you see there? Right now in uh, warm countries, I think we don't know exactly it's because of the weather or because they didn't test that much. But we do see fewer of these viruses in the, in the warm countries. Uh, yeah, very warm countries. Usually we don't see them much. And uh, you can see a lot of the serious places are all in this colder weather country. Mm. Uh, you do see a lot in Europe here, like here we are in New York or in Washington. We are all more serious than the other places. That's what we, what we saw. So those are some some patterns we, we do see right now. What about, um, I'm in uh, Austin, Texas, and it rained here a lot recently. And I wondered if the rain would wash virus off of surfaces and wash it out of the air and reduce, um, you know, the ability for it to spread. Any thoughts there on climate? You know, if there's rain, like a rainy season going on anywhere or a lot of rain? From, from understanding so far is that uh, this virus, there is a, its capability depend on like temperature. So temperature is a one factor, but the humidity, I haven't seen it as a major factor. If you think about Washington, actually, Washington State is quite a lot of rain in, in winter time, and uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop. The virus doesn't stop in, in Washington, actually propagate uh, a lot. So yeah, maybe Austin has a has a running coming coming out, but uh, we don't know run how how helpful the run is. A lot of the situation it might be from some kind of human to human contact. So uh, it depends on how how close each person is, and uh, yeah, that may be a, a major factor rather than the one uh, heavily in the air. So so although there are some research saying this can be airborne, but uh, it may not be that decisive effect. So um, where do you see that the virus has undergone the most mutations? And what does that seem to tell you? Like, is it cold climates? Is it a particular 
you know, if it's been in a certain place for a long period of time, does it mutate more? Like, where are the most mutated forms right now? So the most mutated form right now, uh, so it's most, they are mostly in Europe. So in Europe, that uh, mutate a lot, a lot of reason is not because of the mutate in the, in the environment, but it's because it has been going through so many people. So virus, the, the major mutation is actually in our body. So in our body, then they try to duplicate. And then when you try to duplicate, there's a copy and a paste. So when they copy and paste, sometimes it goes wrong. So, so that is actually the major place that uh, you were mutate. So the more people who got infected by this virus, then the more likely get the mutation. I see what you mean. So in the U.S., there's maybe 70,000, but in all of Europe, um, there's, I guess, maybe a couple hundred thousand. So there's more mutations. Yes, the more people infected and the, the longer time it is being propagated, then the, the more mutation you will create. So that's why that uh, the mutation number actually kind of a good estimate about how many were already really already infected and about how long it was already being propagated. So it actually mm. is kind of correlated to the mutation point you can calculate. So it's actually a very good indicator about how long the viruses are really already being in one place. What about over time? Do the mutations seem to happen at an even pace? Or do you see that they happen a lot in the beginning and then they slow down? Any uh, data no, there? We actually accelerate. We actually see the mutation speed become faster and faster. Is it because more and more people are infected? So, so there actually is a lot of danger. So this, this type of virus is not, it, it is not something like, uh, okay, if I just keep it growing, most of my population got infected and they were immune to this and then you were gone. This is not true. The, this type of virus, Actually, if more and more people get infected, you can create more and more mutations. And the more and the more mutations, it can, it can have a different capability. It can also possibly cause machine to be useless. So your machine, sometimes you target on something, but if you change too much, then eventually your machine can be not useful. So that's why that, uh, the virus, this coronavirus, COVID-19, need to be contained. It cannot be just keep growing. Keep going will cause this type of issue that can have a bigger, even bigger problem to, to humans, to the mankind. So mm. that is actually important. We have been seeing the mutation speed is, uh, is faster in the last month. Is it faster because it's faster? Or is it faster because there are more chances for it to mutate because it's in more people? It's faster because of more people. Okay, I see. I see what you mean. It's more chances, right? Than- Every time it infects somebody, it has a, a chance to mutate. Okay, I got you. Correct. So what are you hoping to uh, figure out with your, you know, your um, analyses? I think the most important one is to try to figure out which mutations can cause what problem. And then try to point out if the, some mutation may already impact the major functions of this virus then we can have some warning signal to the world to understand that there are some serious things coming out. Or, or another thing, like uh, if we observe a place, there's a lot of the mutation already happened. But in that place, 
there has been very few reported cases. Then there must be mean that a lot of people are already infected, but the government didn't do a now inspection. So you don't have much case, but the mutation number actually can tell you that there are actually a lot of huge propagation is already underway. So it better speed up your inspection to content to understand who got infected. Otherwise, these people, they just walk around. Because the something special for this virus is that uh, it can affect people even, be, it can propagate even before you see symptoms. Part of the reason I think was why I said at the very beginning, it can disguise itself to be similar to your cell. So people doesn't, so your immune system doesn't attack it. You don't have a symptom yet, but uh, it's already there. So it can propagate. So I think that uh, these are the, some of the signals that we, if we see that, uh, then we can figure it out, then it can be important for, for the people. I mean, in, okay. in each region or each country. Are there parts of its, uh, of its uh, it's an RNA virus, right? The coronavirus? Yes, it's RNA, yes. Are there parts of its sequence that are not mutating? Does it seem like there are preferential areas that are mutating more than others? No. At this moment, we are seeing the mutation point seems to be random. That it can happen in any point in this about 30,000 points, and the change seems to be just totally random. So we didn't see that uh, which part has a better chance change than the others. We, we, we haven't seen that yet. We, we are seeing a quite uniformly, uh, a uniform changing pattern all the positions. So that's why those are all possible. You know, what would be interesting too is if you're able to get, um, if you're able to, well, not you, but if places are able to characterize the antibodies from survivors of it, and if you map those out, you know, against the mutation map and see how our bodies are responding to the mutations, you know? It would be interesting to look at that too, I think. Right. And uh, uh, so in some places, actually, people are using the antibody test, how many antibodies of this virus happen in our blood, and then to use that to be a measurement to see whether you actually get this coronavirus or you, you had that before. Actually, there's one thing that uh, can be used for testing to, to go better history. So right now, at this moment, uh, the most of the test, test, I think the only recognized test actually right now is to use the, the, real, uh, the real checking on the genome of the virus, I mean, in, in the potential patients. But uh, in some places, you actually can use this one antibody to check that. And uh, there are also some reports saying some people have the antibody, but later on, he may get infected again. We don't know whether that was because that the antibody is actually only good for the original virus, but not for some new viruses happen. There's too many mutations, then your antibody lose the function. We don't know that that may be true or not. But that, right, right. When you get the sequences, do you are these sequences from virus cultured from people? Like, how do you get the sequences? Where do they come from? When when are they done? They actually were collected from people. They they those were all the confounded cases in the worldwide lab. Then they sequence that, and then they send to the the common organizations to share. So those are not on the culture. 
but uh, they actually when yeah they actually sequence that usually they need to grow that a little bit to, to get enough amount to actually sequence that so there are some something need to be done but uh, those are all from the patient you know do you, are you getting the case history of those patients too so you could coordinate we, the uh, the sequence with the case history we actually uh, so the cases that are from worldwide lab usually they have their their like their ID and from their ID uh, sometimes you can guess who they are from the news report so they are clearly like uh, like uh, for example Washington you have Washington one Washington two and uh, you have a date on that and uh, then uh, you also have the patients uh, uh, gender male female how many years old not 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 every not every virus is a uh, patient exact information but uh, uh, a lot of them, like seventy uh, percent of them, you do have the, you have the collection date, you have the gender, you have the age, and uh, sometimes they actually also have information about this is uh, from the the cruise from the uh, diamond princess cruise, for example, or the grand uh, princess cruise, right? Uh, right. Or sometimes they, some people will have some comment about about where it was. Like a, quite, a little bit more information sometimes, and we also. But they should also, um, if they really want to study this, they should have all the data and the case outcome for every sequence too, because then you could correlate. Ooh, these people had these mutations, and they all recovered. Or these people had these mutations, and you know, triple the number of them died. That would make you, you know, you'd be able to figure out based on the mutations what the effects are of the virus in some cases. So it, it sounds like you true. need all that, data, you know? True, true. We do see that um, like in SARS 17 years ago, after that uh, many papers tried to study about some how they may affect, what kind of effect they can cause. And uh, at this moment, I think that uh, things are happening so so quick, right? Uh, for, for the common data set, uh, what we can see are something like uh, I think most of them are like uh, hospitalized, or some of them already say they pass away. Uh, yeah. There are very few that uh, say they are discharged. Okay. So I think that uh, there may be the problem is that uh, if you are really hospital, and uh, for example, I, I saw I saw some report from New York governor this morning that uh, if you hospitalize in for this uh, COVID-19, uh, the time you need in the hospital, maybe in ICU, it can take 20 to 30 days. So mm. therefore, a lot of the patients, maybe they are still in hospital. So it's why a lot of the cases, what we saw, it's just a hospital, like if they are being uh, some kind of the note on, on the current status. I think it, it actually takes more time to tell on that part. And uh, actually need more, yeah, I think in each country, probably has a more data of that patient can be able to force a study about yeah, yeah. which mutation cause what. Are you making your data available, your map of the mutations and everything? And, or, you know, like, so, yeah, are you, are you sharing this back out? So for on, on our website, the Graphen COVID monitoring website, actually we kind of uh, sharing the mutation of each, of each virus. And also the location and the gender and the age information, we actually put it there. 
so people can study the evolution tree and they can search for each country or they can search based on the date like what's going on before this date or after this date or they can even see the video animation about how it changed every day how it become worse and worse for example so those are all the real data the true data and the updated every day uh, to make sure the data is up to date mm, okay well i encourage you if you can to try to get the patient data for all the uh, the samples you have because then you'll have a very complete database and maybe include temperature data and any other data you think is relevant because that would be a huge resource for everyone going forward. You know, I know you've done a lot already, but um, anything to do to make the data more complete would give a really good understanding of this that we probably don't have of any other virus like this. You know? Right. I think you actually addressed a really good point and uh, it will be on our wish list to try to see whether we can contact the important labs uh, to gather more information and then to correlate. I think this type of the very big data study is it can be very useful and needed for the yeah for the human beings worldwide to fight this uh, uh, COVID-19 virus. So I think you have a very good suggestion, and uh, we will do our best try to gather more information. Okay. Well, very good. Um, what what's the best way for people to find you? You said you have a. Uh, should they go to graphen.ai and then is there a link to look at the um, the coronavirus sequences, the map of them? Uh, yes, because all the sequences are there. So it's uh, www.graphen.ai slash covid.html. Then you can go to our webpage to see all these uh, real sequencing data from worldwide up to date today. So you can see that. And uh, if you need any information, you can contact us at uh, info at graphen.ai, and then we will answer your email, or you can just follow our Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook accounts that uh, we also have information there. All right, very good. And I'd encourage all listeners, if you have any ability to help Graphen and to get more data to them, you know, whether it's a sequence or a patient outcome or whatever it is, to do so, because, you know, they're doing a really important thing that'll be very beneficial to our understanding of what's going on. So, I thank you, Dr. Lin. It's a good thing you guys are doing. And again, all listeners, if you can help at all, you should. So thank you for being here. Okay, thank you very much, Richard. It's our pleasure. And I hope we can also work together to fight this uh, COVID-19, this uh, very important issue for everybody right now. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.